Have you ever come across a picture you just can't get out of your head? A picture that, after some time, becomes an obsession. Maybe you even start to think to yourself, where did that photo come from? So you start looking for answers. On this show, we take you on that journey. From the photo that stuck with us to the story behind it, we'll learn about Shirley Chisholm's treasurer, the son of a moonshiner, and a Nigerian man on the day he took his last breath. And I tracked down a boy from a photo album and found more than I expected. This is Reframed. I'm Heather Schroering. A quick note before we get started. I want to tell you about the book that inspired this podcast. It's called Not Who I Pictured, where you can read the stories you won't hear on the show. Go to Amazon.com pictured. Here's the show. Ashley Akwosa never had to meet her grandfather. He died when she was just a year old. So her memory of him is limited to stories, fables of a man who seemed larger than life. Today on Reframed, Ashley takes us back to a fateful day in her grandfather's life, a day that has had consequences for generations to come. It's the last day in May, a Thursday, and the air is nice and warm. My grandfather, a taut man with fairly bulging muscles and a receding hairline, is riding his red bicycle to the gym. He's 50 years old. He arrives at the gym, a plain-looking building with pale gray walls and an American flag mounted high. He walks in, steps on the treadmill, and begins to run. The soles of his sneakers make thudding sounds as they strike the treadmill belt. A few seconds later, he falls, and it is heard almost simultaneously by five men around the world. Obij is down. I can't tell the story of my grandfather's life without explaining a bit about his name. Where I'm from, people have long and complicated names. A name in Nigeria isn't just a name, it's the promise of what your parents hope you'll become. My grandfather was born Emmanuel Chukudifu Okosa, but the name that really defined the course of his life was the one he gave himself, Obij. But I think what that means, he symbolized that house. Obi is that section in there in your traditional African home that, you know, like the living room that belongs to the head of the family. That was my father, Major. He's Obiaje's oldest. He's basically saying that the name Obiaje was a big deal. It literally meant a house. The house where the family could come and gather together. And the responsibility that came with it was a big one. My grandfather died the year after I was born. So my only memories of him are the larger-than-life photos that hang on the walls of my grandmother's house. They were huge, to match his personality and his legacy. There are photos of him and my grandmother perfectly coiffed in animal print tunics and coral necklaces, his fingers always stacked with more than a few gold rings, and his look finished with a top hat. They look like Nigerian royalty, and they were treated as such. He was the chairman of a huge bank in eastern Nigeria, a successful lawyer, a philanthropist, and a board member on almost every board that mattered. My father remembers coming home from school and seeing people lined up outside, waiting for an opportunity to meet with Obiaje. They came because they knew he would help them, with money or advice or whatever it is that they needed. He, he was very all at compassion. He wanted everybody to come. He was willing to hug, you know? And it was unanimous. Everybody wanted that. Everybody agreed on that. Although I never met my grandfather, I think I have a good idea of who he was. It's impossible to separate yourself from 
someone that sort of big. He was big. He was this huge figure, you know. You know, you couldn't really, you couldn't find yourself separate from him. That's my uncle IJ, the last of my grandfather's five sons. When my grandfather died at a crummy gym in West Haven at 50 years old, it felt like the end of the world for my grandmother. But for my uncles and my father, it seemed like life had paused at an inconvenient moment. They were five men in their early 20s, having kids, getting married, and growing up. And they finally had an opportunity to do it with their father by their side. But instead of talking to him, they were identifying his cold body. Now, 22 years later, their memories of him are in this weird limbo. And what they remember of this man, big and bold enough to call himself a house, is Obiage, a man far away from his children and out there trying to save the world. Oh, God, I didn't know him. You know? He's just this shiny thing that you couldn't touch, you know? Like my uncle IG suggested, Obiage had such an impenetrable force that made it hard for you to even touch him. This distance wasn't just an abstract feeling. It was also part of the everyday. I asked my uncle Ken, the second of my grandfather's five sons, and he remembered one particular moment that stood out for him, even over three decades after it originally happened. I remember when I was playing soccer for my, uh, for my school, and my dad was, the, uh, was there to donate some kind of money. And my dad said, I didn't know you played soccer. <laughs> it was funny. I played soccer for five, five years, and he, he never knew that. And after the presentation, he left. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't say anything to me. And I thought it was, it hurt my feelings a lot, you know, because I did that for him. I played soccer for, on that day, I played it for him to recognize me. In 1996, my grandparents moved from Nigeria to West Haven, Connecticut. They traded their bustling Nigerian home for some time in the suburbs of the Constitution State. Four of their five sons had moved there almost a decade earlier to attend school and discover what the American dream was. And after a rough patch financially, my grandfather decided to follow their lead. So at 50 years old, he found himself looking for opportunities to start all over again, in a new business, and also as a father to his sons, especially with my Uncle Ike, the fourth of his five boys. You know, I was starting to feel like I could have a relationship with him, you know? You know, I was advised, and I mean, I wish that I I'd get more from him, you know, but, um, you know, he was more relatable. That's what I miss the most, you know what I mean? I wish that I had more that relationship with him before. It was short-lived. It was very short-lived, you know? I felt like I was starting to have something, and it was taken away. In those first months in Connecticut, my uncle said it felt like they were being reintroduced to their father in so many ways. In West Haven, no one knew who Obiaje was. So there was no need for him to perform his title. Instead, he was just a father and a regular guy, not a house. I wanted to know more about this OBIJ and the circumstances that led him here. So I brought something to my Uncle Bill. Uh, yesterday when I was interviewing Uncle Ken, I found some stuff. He found Grandpa's briefcase. Did really? he tell you? No. Yeah, he found his resume. No way. Yeah. You gotta be kidding me. Oh the briefcase was a brown wow. Samsonite bag and was okay. covered with a light film of dust, even after 20 no years. I, remember these I found a number of things my grandfather carried with him. Oh my God. How the hell does he have this? Photos of my grandmother, oh my God. loose change, 
a gold pocket watch, and a resume that I wanted to know more about. I remember you wanted to get a job. I'm like, Dad, what do you mean get a job? You're my dad. You don't work. You're rich. <laughs> you know? I said, you're 50 years old. You're retired. He, he said to me, this is not what you think it is. I want to work. I'm young. I'm active. I want to go out there and... I said, oh my God. I can't see my dad working. But on the day of the interview, Uncle Bill drove him anyway. On paper, he was still Obiage. His resume listed all his fancy credentials and accomplishments. But in person, he was almost unrecognizable to his son. My dad just sitting there saying, whatever you say. And I was embarrassed. I remember saying, my dad is looking for a job. I never seen him looking for it. It's amazing how life changes. I'm used to seeing him. But I was measuring him as a kid. He was up the you know, throne. Now he's asking someone, can I work for you? I never seen him in that position. In Nigeria, Obiaje gave people jobs. He didn't ask for any. But this new Obiaje was different. It was almost like that impenetrable wall was breaking, and it was possible to see behind the facade of who Obiaje was. It felt like in these few moments, he really belonged to his sons. He was really theirs. So I had I had um, dinner with him the night before he died. You know, he my mom was preparing dinner, and I didn't really want to eat. I'm like, no, I'm not hungry. He goes, you know, you have to eat. You have to eat. And then I said, of course, I'm going to eat. And I don't say no. <laughs> so I, I'm i not sure why. He could have just easily said, okay. But he, he forced me to sit down next to him. In retrospect, what seemed like a mundane encounter between father and son is one of the things my uncle still holds on to when he thinks about his father. It was a chicken with broccoli my mom made with, with a side of rice, white rice. And we just sat there. That's probably the only time and last time that I ate with my, and it was just the two of us. My Uncle Ajay pauses here. And I realized that in his 20 years, this was the first time he'd had a one-on-one dinner with his father. This is something most children take for granted. My Uncle Bill has a similar experience also. A day before he died, when he lived in the apartment in West Haven, he says to me, come pick me up. I want to go buy a bike. I want to ride a bicycle. I like to be outdoors. I hate being in the house. You know, I'm always here in the house. I want to just go. Take me to Sears. Sure. Picked him up. Took him to Sears. He bought a bike. We brought it back. And for once, my dad gave me a hug and said goodnight. He's never done that. First and last time he gave me a hug, and I'm like, why did he give me a hug? That was, wow. Both men remember the day before my grandfather died with great detail and significance. For them, it was almost symbolic of what was to come. Why did those moments happen then, the day before he died? Part of me believed these signs, but at the same time, here's what I know to have happened. On Thursday, May 30th, Obiaje woke up. Breakfast was a big, juicy red tomato. Then he made plans to go to the gym like he always did. He even felt well enough to ride his bike. This is a good place to know that Nigerian men don't really ride bikes. 
Yes, motorcycles that swerve in between cars and buses on cramp lanes. But bicycles are an afterthought. In Nigeria, my grandfather's preferred mode of transportation was a white Mercedes Benz. But he insisted on this bike. Say, no, 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 the air smells, you know, the, the, the air is fresh. I'm going to ride my bike. I'm like, okay. So that was the last time I saw him. You know, he said, I'll see you guys later. And then um, I'll see you guys in about 45 minutes, in about an hour, two hours. And then we said, okay. Obiaje said goodbye to my grandmother, who was with him in the kitchen, and walked out the house. And then the call started coming in. My uncle Ken got the first call. And then my uncle Bill. Um, your dad um, fell from the treadmill and I, I couldn't revive him. So the ambulance is coming to pick him up and take him to Milford Hospital. Um, you guys should go to Milford Hospital. All I remember was walking in and we we're just sitting there and the doctor came out he's a white guy tall you know he looked red thin in hair <laughs> you know like it looked like he's been exhausted you know looked so drained you know he walked up to us and and he just said it so flatly sorry he couldn't make it everything just faded out It's been 22 years since my grandfather died, and his pictures are still up on the walls of my grandmother's house. People speak of him as if he's never left. Even his sons do. And in their voice, I hear lingering. Phone calls they wish they could make to him, moments they wish he were here to see, and things they wish they could say. I asked my uncles, what would they say to Obiaje if he was still here? And the response was simple, but it was unanimous. They wished they had spent more time together. For these five men, the relationship they wish they had had with their father has guided the relationships they have with their kids. My Uncle Ken, remember the one who played soccer, has never missed a game, and he has four kids who all play sports. In the words of my Uncle IJ, he wants his two kids to be able to touch him. To touch him in a way he didn't feel like he could touch Obiaje. Hey guys, it's Heather again. I'm here with Chloe Picchio. Hey Chloe. Hi there. So tell me about this photo of your grandpa. He's sitting with his regiment in this photo holding a puppy. They were about to go off to fight in World War II. He looks so much younger than the others. Yeah, he actually lied about his age to join the military when he was 16. He thought he was escaping a dead-end life in Pennsylvania. So did he? No, I mean, he came back from the war so broken. Of course it affected my dad's childhood, but it also affected mine. To read Chloe's story and 15 others, head to Amazon.com to purchase Not Who I Pictured. Thanks for listening to Reframed. If you like what you heard... You can hear more stories in the print version, Not Who I Pictured, the book that inspired this podcast. Head to Amazon.com to purchase your copy of Not Who I Pictured today. Reframed is inspired by the book Not Who I Pictured, a collection of short stories that begin with a family photograph and explore the memories behind them. 
Our executive producers are Kelsey Blazier and Lena Sunsgiri. We are produced by Sage Howard, Will McAllister, Ashley Aguosa, and me, Heather Schroering. Our editor is Isabella Kolkarni. Special thanks to James Robinson, Isabella Kolkarni, and Michael Shapiro for their patience, guidance, and humor. If you like what you heard, go to Amazon.com to purchase Not Who I Pictured. Thanks for listening.